Good morning. How's everybody doing? Wow, man, exciting. I have a cold, and so I'll need your energy to get through this this morning, but uh, you'll have to bear with me. But hey, welcome. So glad to have you here to worship the Lord with us this morning. Uh, if you're new and visiting, if you wouldn't mind just texting that word welcome to the number on the screen, 406-209-0314. Follow the prompts. Whether you're here in person or watching online, we would love, love, love to get to know you. But hey, happy Father's Day. Can we just say that out loud together? Happy Father's Day. Yeah. And we have the meat for you this morning, man, right? This is a hit last year, uh, Pioneer Meats. Uh, we got some brats for you guys located right over there in those bins. And so uh, there's cat, cat brats, right? And, right? And grizz brats. Yeah. So... I don't know, the Grizz might be a little, a little louder than the cat, cat brats this morning, but yeah, there's all kinds of brats in there. Help yourself. Our way of just saying uh, happy Father's Day, and we're so glad to have you here to worship the Lord with us this morning. If you have a Bible, go to Psalm 84 with me this morning. We'll have the scripture up on the screen as we uh, do always to kind of go through this this morning, but I, I want to start by asking you to think about your best day ever. Uh, what's your best day ever? Like, what was that day that you would say, man, that was like the best day ever? It might have been, you know, the day you got married. It might have been the birth of your, you know, first child, second child, third child, fourth child. I don't know. You know, by the fifth, it's like, oh, boy. Um, Whatever the case might be, maybe it was a vacation you had or some experience you had in life. I want you to think about that. Like, what was the best day of your life? Uh, or maybe you're here this morning and you still haven't had it and you're just imagining, you know, I'm still waiting for that day to happen, right? Uh, the best day of your life. Uh, if you're Brian Adams, it was the summer of 69. And, you know, I, I was like, some people might catch that and some people may not. But, uh, man, Brian Adams, right? Who's Brian Adams? Stop it. Anyways. Here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. Move on from that, right? Everyone wants to have the best day that they possibly can, right? I mean, like, we spend so much time, we spend so much energy, we spend a lot of money trying to have the best days that we possibly can. I mean, we desire to go through life and say, man, I hope tomorrow is better than yesterday, right? That's really uh, something we all desire in life. But what makes one day better than another, right? What makes one day uh, in life better than the other days in life? We really need to define that this morning. Is it just the days that go smooth? Uh, is it just the days that things go kind of the way that we want them to go in life? Are those really the better days in life? Or are better days the days that we have less pain, less conflict, less um, you know, whatever in life? Are those the days that just are reserved for, you know, the vacation days in life? Or is that really the definition of a better day this morning? What really is a better day? I think we all really deep down want to know the answer to that question uh, because it really brings up a bigger issue in our lives. And, and, and that question or that issue is simply, what makes me happy? What gives me purpose? What gives me meaning in life? I mean, every single person in this world wants to answer that question. And we believe that if I am happy and I have purpose and I have joy and meaning in life, that I will have better days. But what makes one day better than another? I want you to know how we answer that question really reveals 
to us this morning what we value in life. And Psalm 84 is going to give us some direction. It's going to give us some help in defining what really is a better day. And how do we pursue the best days in life? How do we pursue really the better things in life? And so this morning, we're going to do our very best to reveal how the scriptures show us what is a best day and how to actually pursue that every single day of our lives in order to have a day that is the best day defined by who God is and what he desires for us in life. And that's really going to be the focus of our heart this morning. And the Psalm, in Psalm 84, it's really going to help us define this this morning. And, and so I want you to know this is a choice, that you and I have a choice every single day. Will today be the best day? Could it be the best day of my life? And so you, you may read this this morning, and I just want to be transparent with you this morning. I want to be real with you this morning. You may read this and you may think, you know, I'm not buying that. Uh, I'm not really buying into this idea of what the psalmist is telling us. You might have a different picture of what Psalm 84 is describing this morning. You may have a different opinion or idea about what your best day may actually look like this morning. And I want you to know that's okay. But my hope for you and I this morning is to at least create a spark in us for something that's deeper than we typically imagine. That, that we would uh, find something that's available to us every single day and that we would learn to lean into and tap into this very thing because it has the ability to change our perspective. It has the ability to change our, our, our idea of what joy is and what happiness is, what peace is. It has the ability to change your every day. And so let's lean into this psalm for just a little bit this morning, see what we can discover. Psalm 84, we're going to read the entire chapter because it's just 12 verses, right? And I think we can handle 12 verses this morning. So starting in verse number one, the psalmist says this, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may uh, lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Verse 4, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength, each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. And then verse number 10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. If you're new to LifePoint this morning, we are wrapping up our sermon series uh, called Better Things, where we've been looking at all of these phrases in the scriptures that talk about the better things that we ought to pursue in life. What are the things that God says, hey, this is better than that? And any time, we've said this from the very beginning, uh, any time God says, this is better than that, we ought to pay attention, right? We ought to perk up. We ought to underline that. We ought to say, what does God say 
is better. And the reason for that is this, is we often choose the things that aren't the best in life, right? Like we have a tendency as human beings, as Christians, let's be honest, to choose things that aren't always the best things in life. And so uh, we, we need to learn what does God say is best? And we need to learn to lean into those things this morning. Uh, the things that God desires for us to choose. And in Psalm 84 and verse 10, God gives us this description of what is better. In order to have a better day, in order to go through life and say, these are really the best days when I lean into this. And the psalmist, notice again in verse number 10, because we're really going to lean into this verse this morning. He says, for a day in your courts is better. It's better. A day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. And so we're going to spend some time this morning looking at that thought. A day in your courts is better. A day in your courts is better. Uh, that used to be an old worship song. Some of you remember that. Better is one day. I won't sing it for you um, this morning. Um, but you have it in your head, I'm sure. But, but here's the problem with that statement. And you might say, why, why would that be a problem, right? To say that God, being in God's courts, being in God's presence, one day in his presence, one day in his courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Why is, is that a problem statement? Uh, well, here's what I believe. And I'm going to make kind of a generalization here, okay? Uh, that, that's not true of everyone, but I think it's, I think it's true for a lot of us. And that is this, is we really don't believe that. It, it, we can read that statement and say amen and yes to be in God's presence and to be in his courts and all of those things that come along with that. Like, that's wonderful. Like, we would agree with that statement. But for a lot of us, we really don't believe it's true. That there are all kinds of other places in life that we can imagine ourselves. Some of you this morning... You might be imagining yourself somewhere else this morning, like there's a lot of places maybe that you would rather be than right here this morning. And if you were honest and truthful with yourself, you might say, you know what, I don't know if I quite believe that this morning. Don't be offended by that, okay? Uh, but by and large, we really don't believe that one day in God's presence is better than all of the wonderful things that we can imagine in life. You know, if we did, churches would be full to capacity every single Sunday, would they not? Uh, uh, I hope you follow what I'm saying, but I, I want you to know this goes deeper than just like a Sunday thing. This goes deeper than just saying, uh, I need to be in church every single Sunday. This goes way deeper than a Sunday morning kind of thing. This is the heart of a person who says, I just want to be in the presence of God every single day of my life. In, in, that, in that when I'm in God's presence, my day is different, my life is different, my joy is different, my perspective is different because of the presence of God one day in his presence changes everything. And I think for a lot of Christians, we, we read that and we see that and we'd say, man, that's kind of foreign to me. Like, I've never really experienced what it's like to be in God's presence so much where I would say that was the best day of my life where I felt the warmth and glow of the presence of God in every aspect of my life. I think for a lot of us, it's just such a foreign thing that we might even be honest and say, man, I don't have that desire. I don't have that desire. I don't, I don't really feel like that's true for me. I think this is a tension for a lot of Christians today. We may read this and say, 
That guy's just, he's kind of out there, the psalmist. He's, he's not really on the same plane that I am. We know we should be in God's presence, but we're like, man, I don't really feel like it. And, and for most of us, we would say this, man, I feel guilty for not spending time with God. I feel guilty for not being in his presence. I feel guilty for not carving out time with God. Like for a lot of us, we feel this tension day in and day out. I know that I should spend time with God. I know that I should be in his presence, but I, I really, the truth of the matter is, I really just don't want to, right? We don't have that drive. We don't have that desire. We don't have that longing to sit at the feet of Jesus and be in his presence. And I'll tell you, listen, uh, the, the reason you don't care to be in church or people don't care to be in church because, because they don't have a longing to be in God's presence. The reason many of us would say, man, I struggle to be in God's word and open the scriptures because we don't long to be in the presence of God. The reason that we may come and worship might be stale and boring to you is because we don't long to be in the presence of God. It's the reason that so much of our lives feel stale and lifeless. Because we don't have this longing to be in God's presence. So I don't know if you're here and that's you this morning, but let me just pose to you this question. What if that changed in your life? What if the biggest thing that changed in your heart, in your life this morning, wasn't the amount of Bible knowledge you knew, but it was the longing of your heart to know the creator of this universe? What if what changed the most in your life was this longing and desire just to be in the presence of God every single day? What if your best days were the days that you were most close to God? I believe that can change this morning. Uh, well, here's the bottom line. This is what we're going to focus on today, and that is this. is Your best days can really be every day. Really simple. Your best days can actually be every day. It doesn't have to be something of the past. You know, a lot of us, as we go through life and the older we get, we look back like Brian Adams and say, well, it was the summer of 69, right? And that was the best day of my life, or whatever the case might be. It might have been a vacation you had, an experience you had, or whatever the case might be. We look back and we say, that was then, but it's not now. But I want you to know this morning, your best days can be every day if you so choose, and I so choose, to lean into the presence of God every single day. It's those days that we're closest to him. It's those days where we recognize that he's present with us and we seek to be in his presence when we feel that assuring glow of his presence in, the, in his light in our lives. And, and let me just remind you of something really important this morning. God wants to be present in your life. And you may have forgotten that. You may have neglected that thought or that idea. God actually wants to be present in your life. He wants to be with you. And you see this really from Genesis to Revelation. God wants to tabernacle. That word tabernacle means simply to dwell with. I want to be with my people. I want them to know me. I want them to cherish me. Listen, God longs to be near us. Uh, in fact, he promises to never leave us or forsake us. Did you know that? See that all throughout Scripture, God makes this promise over and over and over again, a promise to never leave you or forsake you no matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter the struggles, no matter the hardships in life, I am with you always, right? He promises. He wants to be with us. And we forget that, don't we? We forget that. In fact, we say something uh, often in our prayers, and we all do this and we all say this at times. We say something that I think is kind of inaccurate, 
Uh, again, we all do it. We've all said this at times. How often have you said in your prayers this, God be with us today, right? Or we say this, God be with so-and-so, right? Be with so-and-so in their infirmity, in their challenge, in their struggles in life. God be with them today. And we pray and we ask God to be with them or to be with us. And that's kind of an inaccurate statement, right? It's not bad to say, but here's the reality. God's already with us. We don't have to ask him. We don't have to plead with him. We don't even even have to invite him. If you're a child of God, God says, I dwell with you. I'm present with you every single day of your life. Our son, Kelton, when he was little, um, he was all about knacks, right? He would come up and say, knacks, can I have a knack, right? Because um, he couldn't say, you know, use the, um, I almost just said he couldn't say the S word. <laughs> Have you? No. Anyways, um, he, couldn't, he couldn't. Anyways, moving on, um, he would ask for a knack, right? And we would always tell him, of course, you can always have a snack, right? Especially before bed, he would like get hungry, and and you know when he was really little, we always had to make sure that he wasn't like grabbing a you know handful of gummies and stuff and those in his face, right? But one thing we, you know, kind of, you know, try to build into our kids is like, if you're hungry, you 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 have full permission to go and get something, right? We don't ever want you to be hungry, right? Uh, and so we would try to ingrain that in, in their heads. Like, you don't have to come and ask me, right? You can just go and do it. We've given you permission. And I think the same is true when it comes to God and his presence. The guy's like, hey, you don't have to ask, right? You don't have to come to me. I have already promised you time and time again uh, that you have access to me 24-7. You can come into the presence of God. Whenever you desire, right, his presence isn't something we have to ask permission to. He's already granted it to us. Let me show you just a few examples before we dive any further into Psalm 84. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 2, just a few examples. It's not exhaustive by any way, shape, or form, but in, in verse number 1, he says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, you come uh, to faith in Christ, right? Uh, through accepting what he has done for us upon the cross. We have been justified by our faith in the person and work of Jesus. And he says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice verse two, through him we also have obtained what? Access by faith into his grace in which we now stand and we rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. We have access to God through Jesus. Ephesians chapter three and verse 12 says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith, faith in him. And so we have full access to God. Anytime, anywhere, God's like, you can come to me anytime you want. And so it's without question, right? God is present with us. But a question we need to ask is this. It's not, is God present with us? It's, do I want to be in his presence? Do I desire to actually be in the presence of God, right? Do you desire to be in his presence today? Do you long for it? Is it the one thing that you would say it's the best day, the best days, the best moments of my life or the moments in the days that I am basking in the presence of God? The psalmist would say one, one day, one day in his courts, it's better than anywhere else. It's the best day. It's the best day ever being in the presence of God. And I want you to know until we come to that realization, Christian, we'll spend our days pursuing the fleeting things, right? 
If we don't believe that this morning, we'll spend our days pursuing the temporary things, the things that we would say the world is offering these amazing experiences and things to do in life, and those are the best days, and we will forfeit, we will forfeit being in the presence of God. Now, we need to understand something, and I just want to make kind of a, uh, I guess, a definition, so to speak, of this idea of courts. Like, what does it mean to be uh, in the court of God? Are we talking Judge Judy here, right? No, it doesn't mean that, right? It doesn't mean uh, that, that kind of idea of judgment, but what does it mean to be in the court of God, right? Uh, well, in the Old Testament, before Jesus came, of course, the temple was where God dwelt, Right? God told Moses to build this temple, and it was a tent, and it moved with them for a long period of time until they actually built this structure. But it was where God dwelt. It was where God's presence was physically. Notice in Hebrews, real quick, chapter 9 and verses 1 through 3. It says, now, even the first covenant had regulations for worship in an earthly place of holiness. There was a place to go to be in the presence of God, and it was the temple. And it says in verse 2, for a tent was prepared, the first section in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of presence. It's called the holy place. But behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy, and this is where God dwelt. This is where God's presence physically was. And jump down to verse 7, and it says this, but into the second, only the high priest goes, but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. Guess who had access to God in Old Testament times? One guy, once per year, for the nation of Israel, right? The courts were the place that were open to the public, but the holy place, the holy of holies, into the very presence of God, once per year, one guy had access to God's presence that way. But the courts were open. The courts were open. And the court was kind of that outer area of the temple that people had access to God. I mean, that was like the closest they, they could get to God were these outer courts. And there were different courts for different people. If you were not a Jew, there was a, an outer court that you, you could go into, but you couldn't go any, any further. But when you talk about the courts of God and the psalmist says, I long to be in your courts, that's the closest he can get to being in the very presence of God. And he says, you know what? Even the courts is better. Even the courts is better than anywhere else. In fact, he goes a little bit further and says, I, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I'd rather have like the lowest place of employment in the house of God than dwell in the tents of wickedness, that that is where I would rather be, right? They were playing would you rather back then as well, right? But he said, I'd settle for the lowest job as long as I'm in his presence, right? That was his perspective, the best days are the days that I'm in God's presence. And evidently, we don't know the circumstances, but evidently this, this person or these people were separated somehow from those courts. They, they were in, in, hindered in some way, shape, or form. We don't know how or why. We can only assume that they were away from the temple for some reason, but this was the longing of his heart to come back to this place, to be in the presence of God, because it was the closest he could ever get to being in the presence of God. And he says, those were my best days. But for you and I, we get that every day. We get to walk into the presence of God with boldness and with confidence. And God says, you can be with me uh, uh, every single day of your life. You get a constant, unhindered access to God whenever we want. We get to choose, do we not? 
whether we want to be in the presence of God. That's what's true for you and for me if we're children of God this morning. But, but what do we do this morning? What if you're here and you're still like, I get that, I've heard that, I understand that idea this morning, but what if you're here and you would say, man, I get it, but I really don't desire it. Like maybe there was a time in your life where, where you look back and you would say the best days of my life were back when I was close to God, when I, when I felt his presence, when I was walking with him, uh, all of those things. What if I don't have that desire this morning? What if that longing isn't present in my heart and in my life this morning? If that's you, maybe you struggle this morning, being, being in God's word, and you said, like, I just struggle being, being present with God. I struggle creating this habit of time daily with God. I think this will be very, very helpful to you this morning. So I'm going to give you just two thoughts, two quick thoughts this morning uh, to consider if you don't long to be in his presence and how to change that today. It's not going to be anything earth shattering, but it's going to be something that I think will be very, very helpful. And so if you don't desire it, you don't long it. You would say, man, it's really not my best day that there's so many other things I would rather do and rather be in life than in the presence of God. Let me just start with this. It's really simple and it's really basic, but the first thing we need to do is this. We need to ask God to change our longings, that, that we would actually ask God to give us a desire to be in his presence, kind of a shocker, right? That we would ask God for something that is his will and his desire to be present in our lives, that he desires for us to want to be with him. Why not ask him? God, change my longings. God, show me what it's like to be in your presence. Some of you this morning, maybe you've never experienced the presence of God. It's nothing mystical or magical. But maybe, maybe some of you are here this morning and, and you know what it used to be like to be in the presence of God, but your soul is parched. You've wandered from him and you'd like to get back to that. Why not start by asking God, would you change my longings? Would you give me a desire to be in your presence? Do you think God wants to answer that prayer? Right? Do you think God wants to answer the prayer of a child of God who says, God, I want to long for you like others have longed for you. I, I want to know what it's like to walk in your presence every day. I want to wake up and say, this is going to be the best day of my life because I'm going to walk with you, God. And I'm going to invite you into the process of my life. Listen, again, you can't read the Bible without seeing that God wants to be with you, right? The, the, the scriptures are all about this holy, righteous God who desires to be with us, to reconcile us back to him in order for us to walk with him and be present with him in every aspect of our lives. We get the opportunity every single day to walk into that presence. Absolutely amazing. And so ask, make it the daily prayer of your life to say, God, change my longing, change my longings, change my desires, give me a hunger, give me a thirst for righteousness. Let me show you one other passage of scripture uh, that talks about this idea, and then we'll move on. But in Psalm chapter 27 and verse 4, notice what the psalmist says. He says, one thing I've asked of the Lord, not 10, not 20, not, you know, whatever, one thing I've asked of the Lord, notice what it is, that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire on his temple. What a perspective. 
But he would just say, the one thing that I desire in life, there's all kinds of things we desire in life. There's all things we can ask uh, you know, God for in life. And the psalmist says, the one thing I'm going to ask for is that I can just be in your presence. Because he knew the difference that the presence of the Lord could make in a person's life as they walk through the ups and downs and circumstances of life that they would say the presence of God changes everything. You can't be in the presence of God and not leave changed, amen? You can't encounter God in his presence and not leave impacted in some way, shape, or form. And so we've got to change our longings. We've got to ask God, God, give me a longing to be in your presence. Give me a desire to be in your presence. So real simple, start by asking God to change your longing. Here's the second thing, and that is this, is that we would intentionally invite God into our everyday moments, we would intentionally invite God into Monday morning, that we would intentionally invite God into that conference call, that we would intentionally invite God into, into that job site, that we would intentionally invite God into the, the trial or circumstance of our life, that we would invite him into the joys and the, all the wonderful things that happen in our lives. We would intentionally say, God, I know you're present, but I want you, I want you, to be known in my life, and I want to walk with you in every single aspect. This may be a little more implied than, than it is stated here, but I want us to think about something we often say, and that is this, this phrase, and you probably have said it before, you probably have heard it before, uh, and that is, is that you got to start your day with God. You heard that before, right? you got to start your day with God. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that statement, right? Wake up, start your morning, start your day. Maybe it's 30 minutes, maybe it's an hour with God. Not a bad thing, but hear me out for just a second. I'm going to challenge you to kind of think a little bit more deeply about your faith here. Because I, ha I, I think we have a tendency to kind of compartmentalize our faith, that we kind of say, like, God is for Sunday, right? Or God is for that, you know, 30 minutes, you know, in the morning. And God is maybe for the 30 minutes in the evening. And we kind of put God in these places and we say, God is for this moment, but he's not for the rest, right? He's not for the rest. Hear me out for just a second. When is our faith, when is our walk with God, our relationship with Jesus just been something that we relegate to 30 minutes or an hour in a day, right? Have you ever thought about that? Right, like, uh, I don't know what your relationship like is like with your spouse. Right, let me just talk to married couples for just a moment. I don't know what your relationship is like. Some of you might be here, and your relationship is strained, it's hurting, it's not where it needs to be. Right, um, I, I don't know about you, but like I want to spend time with my wife. Right, and when we're when we're separated. Uh, we want to talk and we want to catch up. And so, you know, we're, we're constantly like uh, talking and texting and, and trying to catch up throughout our day because I, I want to know her and I want to be present in her life and, and vice versa. And so we're, we're constantly uh, talking and texting or whatever the case might be. But can you imagine if I said to Christine, honey, all I got for you is an hour in the morning every day. That's all I got. And for her to be okay with that and for me to be okay with that. I'm like, it's time with my wife, right? This is what I got for you. That would never be okay, right? For any relationship, right? But why do we do that with God? Right, like, why do we do that with our relationship with God and say, like, you know, is, is God the most important person in our lives? He ought to be. He ought to be first. He ought to be preeminent, even in your marriage, Right? That we would say, God, you get an hour, but the rest of it is mine. 
You get 30 minutes or you get Sunday and, and, and that's it, man. Uh, look again at Psalm 84 and notice this terminology and this heart and this perspective of, of the person speaking these words. He says this in verse two, my soul longs, yes, faints, underline that word faint, for the courts of the Lord, my heart and my flesh, they sing for joy to the living God. Faints, right? That idea of God saying, man, uh, or he says, God, I, uh, my, my soul literally faints if I'm not in your presence. That word faint in the Hebrew means, it means to waste away, to be spent, to fail, or to be used up. And what he means by that is simply this, God, I can't function without you. That I recognize I can't go a single moment of a single day without you. My soul is literally parched if I'm not in your presence, right? In the presence of the living God, a God who is who is alive, a God who wants to be known, a God who wants to be present in every aspect of your life. My soul would dry up, he says, if I'm not in your presence. And I want you to know this morning, that's not a Sunday morning kind of thing, right? Uh, it's more than a worship on Sunday kind of moment. It's inviting God into every aspect of your life, uh, every moment. Right? Every interaction, every conversation, every trial. God, what do you think? God, what do you want me to do? What are you trying to teach me in this moment? God, I'm intentionally inviting you into this process. I love the story of Nehemiah. It opens up with Nehemiah mourning and being distraught over the nation of Israel and in the ruins of Jerusalem. And the king knows and understands that he's distraught. And so he goes before the king. And before he steps into his presence and responds to the king, he pulls out his phone and texts God, help me because he understood, God, I need you to be present in this moment, that I need your help, and I need your discernment. You see, the problem is that we often go to church on Sunday, and we may even encounter the Lord here. I hope that you do, right? We may encounter God's presence here. And, and, and then we leave, and for a lot of people, we say this, see you next week, God, right? See you next week, God. Uh, see, uh, I hope to be in your presence again at church on Sunday. But what if it was an everyday thing? What if every morning and every aspect of your day as you walk through life, you're inviting God into every moment that you're communicating with him, that you're open to him, that you recognize he's the sovereign Lord. You see, it doesn't have to be this kind of categorized relationship but it can be every aspect of our, of our lives. God wants to be present in all of it, in every aspect. Right? That doesn't mean that we kind of have our heads in the closet. We're like, what does that mean? Do I walk around like a monk? So we're like, sorry, I can't talk to you. I'm in the presence of God. Right? Does it mean that we lock ourselves up in a closet 24-7? No, no. It means that we invite God into everything because he wants to be present in everything you go through every single day of your life. Someone said this. He said, instead of having compartmentalized uh, time with God, we should live with an ongoing, unending awareness of God's presence. He said, you don't just have to have time with God. You can literally do life with God. There's a big difference between the two of those, isn't there? having time with God and doing life with God. Let me show you one more scripture. Psalm 16, 11 says, you make known to me the path of life. 
God, as I walk through life, it's not just one day a week or one part of my day. No, it's as I go through life and you make known to me the path. In your presence, there is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Who wouldn't want that every single day? The presence of God. And I want you to know this morning, it can be yours, that you can choose as you wake up Monday morning and you go throughout your entire day, you can intentionally invite God to be present with you. He says, I already am. But I want you to intentionally bring me into the process that you would, you would recognize that I'm sovereign over all things and all circumstances and that you would keep this line of communication open with me day in and day out through every circumstance of life. Your best days can be every single day of your life when we choose to be in the presence of God. I'm going to invite our worship team back up. Would you stand with me as we get ready to close this morning? Do you long for the presence of God today? Do you have that desire this morning to be in the very presence of God? Do you long to worship him? Do you long to hear from him? Do you long to be filled by him? I want you to notice just the last two verses of Psalm 84, and we'll close with this. Here's why the psalmist would say, the best day, the best days of my life are just the moments that I get to be in the presence of God. His answer to us is this, for the Lord God is a sun, and he's a shield. He says, the Lord bestows favor, and he bestows honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly, who choose to walk in righteousness, who choose to walk in the presence of God. He says, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Did you catch that? A sun. The warmth of the sun. We all know what it's like after a long winter day, and the sun comes out, and it warms our face. The psalmist says, God's like that. He brings warmth to our lives. He said he's a shield to us. He brings favor and honor. No good thing is withheld and blessings. Who wouldn't want that? This is what it means to have the best day of your life, to be in the presence of God. And do you think for a moment that that could change your relationship with your spouse if you basked in the presence of God every day? Do you think that could change your workplace and your work environment and the anger that we talked about last Sunday, right, This that wells up in our soul and wells up in our heart? Do you think being in the presence of God would change the work environment and how you respond to things in life? Do you think for a moment that basking in the presence of God would change and, and impact our ability to reach a world for Jesus Christ? Oh, man. You remember Moses, right? comes out of the tent from the presence of God and his face glows and shines. What could happen, church, if we every day said, I'm going to choose to be in the presence of God? You know what I think? The world would look at us and say, God's in you. There's something different about you. You've been with God, haven't you? God, this morning, Lord, we recognize that there's so many moments of our lives that we, we just don't spend time with you. We, we kind of compartmentalize our faith, Father. We put you in a box. We put you on Sunday. We put you at 30 minutes at the beginning and 30 minutes at the end. But God, you want to be present in all of it. God, help us, help us to long for you. Help us to long 
to be in your presence, to bask in your glory, to be changed by you. God, we intentionally invite you into the process of every aspect of our lives. Lord, that, that we might be filled with true peace, true joy, true satisfaction, true purpose, and that the world would truly see something different about us, Father, that they might see you and not us. It only happens when we spend time with you. God, we thank you so much for being present with us, that you never leave us, you never forsake us. God, help us to never forsake you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you worship one last time with us?